Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. I'm waiting back there for some smiles. You know we're waiting here. Come on now. All right, here come some other smiles through the door. All right. Got a lot to smile about. All right, welcome to the way service at Greystone. Good morning, Greystone. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's word. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we read it, study it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. parts. We all need each other for this body to grow properly. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Amen. I'd also like to say hello to our family watching from the live feed who can't be here with us this morning. If you'd like to worship with us in unity of the spirit this morning, we love you all and thank you for your continued support. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb this morning's service? And as always, we will start this with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Abba, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for allowing us this beautiful opportunity to gather together as your family, to worship you, to honor you, and to glorify you, Lord, and to become more and more like you, Lord. Help us to all put you first in our lives, Lord, as all of us fight to do that. Thank you for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every day, Lord. For without that, we'd never be able to go on and carry out your plan and will for our lives, Lord. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord. Never let us lose sight of that, Lord, knowing that you're with us in everything. Help us to see you in everything, Lord, as you help give. Thank you for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every day, Lord. For without that, we wouldn't be able to serve you, Lord. Help us, Lord. And we want to say a special prayer for Deb Romano, Lord. Hopefully, Lord, her soul's with you in heaven, Lord. We pray for her family, Lord, that you comfort them at this time of need, Lord, knowing that... For Christians, Lord, that death is the desert of life, Lord. We go home to be with the Lord. No more pain, no more suffering, no more, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just pray for that family that you console their hearts, Lord, and all of us, Lord, who mourn over her death, Lord. I pray for the people that are sick and not in suffering, Lord, that you touch their lives. Reassure them you'll never leave them nor forsake them, Lord. You're with them every step of the way, Lord. And we're grateful for your spirit that comes inside us, Lord, and comforts us in all our times of need, Father. We pray for our great nation, Lord, that you put the Bible back in the White House, Lord, so we could learn by your principles and live in America as free again, Lord, your principles. We pray for the nation Israel, Lord, that you bring the Messiah back into that nation, Lord, so you can heal it. And as always, let all this be led by your spirit this morning, Lord, and not our flesh. 
In Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord. God is definitely on the move in this church, amen? Doesn't the church look beautiful? Have the voice beautiful? I'm on the floor for the church. One body, I'd like to thank all the people that came in Saturday to start working on the church again, bringing it back to a form of glory. And for the guys clearing the pathway so everybody's safe and doesn't slip and fall, as we thank you for your sacrifice for the people so we could all be safe. As one body, with many pots. We're just grateful, and it's great to see everybody. How's everybody doing this morning, okay? A little bit cold out there, huh? <laughs> That's all right. Spring is in the air. <laughs> I'm going to look forward. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's only for a season, amen? All right. I'm going to continue our study on salvation, but before we go there, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter 4. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures. So try to clear your minds of the world and the problems and prepare your hearts to receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Okay. Try to stay focused as we have a lot of ground to cover. Colossians chapter 4. We're going to go right to verse 1. We'll just come right down. Can't go back any further than that, but... It's okay. I just like to thank all the people that faithfully give to the building fund. If you can continue to do that, as the cost of everything is so crazy, and continue to support this church the best you can. Amen? I'm grateful for that. All right, verse one Masters. 
or employers. Be just and fair to your employees or slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. An encouragement for prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So the Bible tells us when we go into prayer to be going to prayer with an alert mind and what? A thankful heart. Not bitter or complaining or griping, but be thankful to get ready in the prayer. To invite the Lord into it. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. The Apostle Paul was in prison for preaching the truth. And you're going to find as we go into, as America gets further and further away from God, as we speak the truth, we're also in prison. And, and the, the people just don't like the truth anymore. They want to hear whatever they want to hear. And look what it says in verse 4. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. As always, the devil always tries to get in and try to scramble my mind. I have to get on my knees and pray every morning, Lord, to clear my mind so I can get the message as clear as I can so you can receive it. He's always trying to attack us. Then it says, look at verse 5. Now he's talking to all of us. To live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. So let your conversation or what comes out of your mouth be gracious. And conversation also means your lifestyle in the Bible. Be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. How about a big amen there? All right, we're going to stop there. That's a big one, though, to, to be attractive, to always work. speak words of encouragement, not to always here to build people up, not tear them down, amen? Because the world tries to tear us down all the time. As Christians living in the Spirit, we're here to build each other up. We know how hard it is to live a Christian life down here. We always get beat up. We don't need to get beat up inside the church, amen? That's why we have to come to church in the Spirit, united in the Spirit, and be grateful and thankful in all we think, say, and do, amen? To leave your problems at the door and walk in newness of life in the Spirit. All right, we're going to continue our message about salvation, okay? We're in the process of being saved. We want to clarify this message of salvation so none of us are confused about what it means and we're going to, we're going to really explain it to its fullest. How about a big amen here? All right, I studied it and we're going to look into this, okay? There's three, there's three tenses to the word salvation. We talked about this. We're going to go through it quickly, okay? It's a completed transaction, a continuing process, and a future hope, okay? Number one, we have been saved from sin's penalty, okay? It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8. A transaction takes place when you come to faith in Jesus in which the power of his shed blood is applied to your life. Your sins are forgiven, your judgment is taken, your condemnation is gone, and the deal is done. It is by grace that you have been saved, and we are sealed into the day of redemption. How about a big amen there? All right, so the penalty of sin has been dealt with. You, know, you can't improve on that. The moment you believe, the penalty is paid in full. Now, we're going to be saved when we go home with him from sin's presence one day. Now, in chapter 1, Peter spoke about the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. When Christ returns, he will take you into his presence where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. There will be no more sin nature in us. Amen? We'll have new glory, glorious resurrected bodies when we won't have a sin nature anymore to fight with. How about a big amen there? Now that's not going to come till we get our new glorified bodies and we go home to be with him. And now, in the moment, we are being saved from sin's power. We have to understand these principles. We can't confuse the penalty and the power. Okay? The penalty has been dealt with. We're sealed. We are going to heaven. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that he was raised from the dead, the Bible says that you're saved and sealed until the day of redemption. Now, now we're being saved from the what? power of sin that still controls us. Even though we get saved, we still do things that are contrary to God's will. So we have to understand that that doesn't take us out. It didn't depend on our performance to get saved. And it doesn't depend on our performance to get, stay saved. 
We perform because we are saved. Can I get an amen here? That's the fruit of our salvation. Okay, until that day, we are in the process of being saved from sin's power. Okay, to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start in our verse 18. So now we'll understand the three parts of sin, right? The penalty of sin, the presence of sin, and the power of sin. And a lot of times we get confused with the presence, I mean, uh, the presence of the power of sin and the penalty of sin. We don't get kicked out of God's family once because we sin. We have sin in these bodies, and it's going to stay with us till we go home to be with him. We have to learn how to master it and control it and say no to it. Can I get any men here? Sin is no longer your master because we live under the freedom of God's grace. We'll just read that scripture too. Look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Isaiah 29 verse 14. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentile, Christ or the word is the power of God and the wisdom of God. See, the power of God and the wisdom of God is the word of God. Can I get an amen? Jesus is the word of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So we'll never get to understand God through our intellect. Can I get an amen? It's a supernatural thing. It's something that he uses our foolish preaching to teach. Nothing, we can't understand God. Because he's higher, his ways are higher than our ways. So you can't get him through intellect. It's through the spirit we get to know him. Go to Romans chapter 6. We're going to get a really good understanding of what we're saved from. He's going to explain it clearly here when Jesus died. Romans 6, go to verse 10. When he died, verse 10, he died once to break the power of sin. Jesus died to break the penalty and the power of sin. But now that he lives... He lives for the glory of God. So, you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So it said, you're dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus, through the word of God. That's what it's saying. The word of God is the power. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's, God's grace. God's grace gives us the freedom to live a good and godly and righteous life. I got to get an amen here. He gives us the grace and the power to do that. 
So do you see how the three tenses of salvation relate to your own life? Are you aware of and cooperating with the ongoing work of salvation in your life? See, we've already been saved from the penalty, but the sanctification processes that we're going through now as we're overcoming the power of sin that's still trying to control us. How many times does sin try to get into our lives and control us again, right? Somebody comes at you, anger comes up, gives a foothold to the devil, you start retaliating, you start tripping about people, you start gossiping instead of building people up. Our sin nature is very alive. But we also have a new nature that's very alive. Whichever one you feed is going to win. If you feed your sin nature, of course it's going to stay alive and grow. But if you feed your spirit, it's going to kill your sin nature. Can I get an amen here? So how do you feed your spirit? Through the working of the spirit, through the word of God, the renewing of the mind. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. This is how we overcome this. Let the spirit speak this morning, amen? Romans chapter 12. Look what it tells us here. going to give us a good formula right now. Look at verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Why? Because of all he has done for you. See, it's not required that you do that. It's saying, I plead you to give it. Why? Because everything that he's already done for us, okay? That's just something that we do out of love. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So there's nothing wrong with worshiping through the songs and everything else, but the truly way to worship him is telling us to live a holy and sacrifice and give your body to him. Now it says in verse 2, something that we're all in the process of doing. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by zapping you. Zap, you're a new creation. Don't you wish it was that easy? It says, let God transform you into a new person by how? By changing the way you think. You see it? By changing the way you think. He, nothing in the world, nothing changes. As a matter of fact, things get worked. The only thing that changes is our perception. We start to see things God's way and not the world's way anymore. Changing the way you were. Now, after it says that, look what it says next. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, so it's telling us that we have to learn to know God's will. So it's like you're coming to school this morning to learn what God's will is. God's will is that you learn his word, become like Jesus, the very reason why he saved you, and start to overcome your sin nature. That's his will for you. Start to live his way and not your way. And that's a process of sanctification. That's the power of sin that still controls us at times. Can I get an amen here? I'm trying to explain this clearly so you understand. All right. Now, we're going to explore the types of salvation, okay? All right, so now we went into some types of salvation last week, okay? Now listen, in Christian theology, salvation takes on various dimensions, okay? We have to understand, each reflecting a unique facet of God's plan for humanity's redemption, okay? These types of salvation offer distinct perspectives on the transformative power of God's grace and the ultimate restoration of believers okay the first one is justification okay justification justification is the initial step in the Christian salvation process okay the Bible implies that justification by faith shields us from remorse and erases our transgressions before God it is a legal declaration for instead of deeming us guilty of our sins God now justifies us, bestowing upon us righteousness in his eyes and absolving us of any penalties for past transgressions. Can I get an amen here? Christianity is distinct from other religions. Christianity is the only faith that is not works-based. 
Okay? A belief in merit necessitates earning rewards on earth in order to enter the afterlife. Christianity instead teaches justification by God's mercy and grace through faith. See, the works that we do after we get saved is the fruit of our salvation, not the condition of it. Can I get an amen? We do it because we are saved, not to stay saved. It's a transformation. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, it clearly tells us how we're made right with God. We are made right with God by coming to church and reading our Bibles. Oh, that's not in there? Oh, it must have been a typo in my book. No, we are made right by God with God by what? Placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And listen what it says. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. You see it? For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Now on a similar note, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. All right. Okay. Is everybody there? Okay. God, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Thank God for that. No more bragging about Jesus, right? For we are God's. This is what he calls us. Now you just think about yourself. Now if you look honestly at yourself and the way and things that go on in your life and what's in your heart, he calls us God's masterpiece. He calls me a masterpiece. He calls you his masterpiece. Now, if you think about how sinful we still are and how things still sit inside us that are ugly, he's still calling us his masterpiece. You have to understand, because the penalty is, is paid in full, he sees you just like he sees Jesus. He does not see your sins anymore. Isn't that awesome? He sees his son in each and every one of us. That's awesome, right? Now, the process of sanctification is for you to start seeing his son in all of us instead of the sin. You see? Instead of seeing the sin, you start to see his son as he starts to live his life through you. You can't do it. You have to die, and Jesus has to live his life through you. So you become the living word of God. That's what it is. It's no longer you doing it. It's the Holy Spirit doing the work through you. Right now, the Holy Spirit is working through me. I can't do this. Believe me, this is not my thing. It's the Holy Spirit's working through me to make this message to you. This is a gift from God. Can I get any men here? This is not something. God chose me to do this. So you have to understand this now. Now look what it says. We're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why did he create us anew? So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. The things that our sin nature stops us from doing. Being selfish and thinking about ourselves. We start to think about him and what we can do for others. Because our sin, no, sin nature is no longer controlling us. It's not about me anymore. 
It's about him. Now, this is a process that takes time. Everyone's at a different place in their spiritual walk. That's why we all need a lot of room to grow. And we're not going to get there until we go home to be with him. He's never going to stop working on us. So you have to give yourself a break. Understand that, look, I know what I've been living by the world's problem, the world system for so long. It's going to take a long time for me to get that out and get this in. So we have to understand, we have to give ourselves a break. Give God a break. And guess what? Give your brothers and sisters a break when they fall short and fail. For all of us fall short and fail. So we need what? God's grace and mercy to keep us on the right path. After we fall, we dust ourselves off and get back in the race knowing God's not holding that against me anymore. And neither am I. I'm just going to dust myself off and get back in the race. Instead of letting the devil beat me up saying, you just sinned, you think you're saved. And what? To try to kick us out of his family. You can't get kicked out. Once you're in, you're in. You're sealed to the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is working on you. And the conviction is going to stay with you. Thank God for conviction. Conviction is what keeps us on the right path. That little nudge is saying, Look, that's not the way to go. Go this way. That little voice that comes in. Because you know there's two voices. The voice of the flesh and the devil. And the voice of the spirit that wants us to live for God and not for ourselves. When you want to do something for you, you say, you know what? No, I'm going to do something for God and my brothers and sisters instead. That's living in the spirit. Can I get an amen here? It's a process. Now listen. Justification dances on the delicate balance of being more than the mere brushing aside of sin. Listen to me. It is a profound act orchestrated through the baptism of the spirit in reconciliation where sin is truly removed not just forgiven or disregarded. So the Bible says our sins are as far from the east as to the west. Our sins don't hurt God anymore. They don't hurt God. Your sins hurt you. That's why he hates sin so much. It hurts you and it hurts what? Other people around you. Because sin is selfish and self-centered and always thinking of itself. Can I get any men here? It doesn't hurt God. He doesn't see him anymore. We still see him. And the devil wants to make sure that we do. And he wants to bring it up every time that we fail. And what? The victory. We don't see the victory. We see the failures all the time. The glass is always half empty. Why am I so miserable? I should be, I should be further along in the Christian life. I should be reading better. I should know my Bible better. No, you're right where you're supposed to be. God has you where he has you. Just relax. Be grateful and thankful that he's working on you. And he's, all the way till you go home to be with him, he's going to make the changes in you. Can I get an amen here? And give other people room to grow. How many of us need some room to grow around here? We need a lot of room to grow, right? Because we fail. But we shouldn't beat ourselves up anymore. Jesus took the beating. When we beat ourselves up for our sins, it's like Jesus didn't pay it enough. Jesus didn't do enough for us. Or when we beat other people up when they sin. See, it's not if, it's when. All of us are going to sin. We all need grace and mercy to overcome that. Now listen. It's a divine metamorphosis that happens. Inner sanctification and renewal where the believer is not only absolved, but transformed into a vessel of holiness that is pleasing to our creator. By his boundless grace, they become honored guests in the eternal tapestry of his kingdom. Do you realize God sees us as royalty? Me? Royalty? You? Royalty? Yes. He calls us all believer priests. The only thing is you have to grow and understand that you are and understand what kind of power you do possess to say no to the sin that wants to still control you. Remember back in the Old Testament when Cain killed Abel? What did, she, what did God say to him? He said, sin seeks to control you, but you must what? Master it. So you have to master your sin nature. See, not, you don't have to spend your time looking at other people's sins. You have to spend time mastering your sin nature, realizing what is my sin nature always trying to control me? Where's my weaknesses? Where do I need the Holy Spirit to come in and change me? Not them, me. What's wrong inside of me that's keeping me from what? Glorifying Jesus. 
It's so easy to point someone else's sins out. We're good at that, ain't we? But to look in the mirror, hmm. All right, the next one is the sanctification. This is the one, okay? Now listen. Another core aspect, okay, of Christian salvation is sanctification, okay? At this point, God frees us from the influence of Satan, our flesh, and the sins of the world. After being declared righteous, many Christians may believe that the salvation process is complete. However, this is merely the beginning of making us fit for heaven. It's the beginning of it. The process of sanctification is continuous. Okay? At this very moment, it is God who is in the process of sanctifying us, gradually molding us into the likeness of Christ, and preparing us to be pure and suitable for service to God. It tells us that. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So everything that God puts in your life is designed to mold and shape you into the image of Jesus. Every problem, every blessing, every person, every people, every place and everything that's in your life is designed to transform you into the image of Christ. You have to understand that God goes ahead of you and he's what? Orchestrating the sanctification process in your life. He's putting people, places, and things in front of you to transform you. You know the things that bring out the worst in you? He'll bring he'll put people into your life to irritate you. He'll bring places into your life or a job or something to irritate you and bring out your flesh to the fullest. And he's trying to show you you. And then when he shows you you, he says, okay, now I'm going to work on you to change that. I'm going to turn that from what? Darkness to light. Instead of you hating on someone, I'm going to have you praying for somebody instead. Every time you feel anger and bitterness, you say a prayer for them. Instead of getting angry and bitter and what retaliating with the eye for an eye, as people still do. Because we're in a growing process. We've always been taught, don't let anybody take advantage of you. Make sure you get your pound of flesh in too. But that's not salvation. Salvation is deliverance from that, saying, you know what? I'm not going to go down to that level. I'm going to actually pray for you. And I'm going to pray for myself so that I don't do that anymore. Because now I see how ugly it is when they do it. So I guess it's ugly when I do it too. You see what I'm saying here? God is trying to, sh listen, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to show you you through other people, places, and things. He's trying to show you you because we're blind to seeing us. We see everybody else. We see all the issues that everybody else has, right? But we don't see ours. But God's trying to show you what yours are. Because he loves you enough to bring it to the surface so he can show you what needs to change. And he does it slowly. He's not a, he's not a tyrant. He doesn't crucify us for it. It's a slow process. Thank God it is. A little bit at a time, he starts to pull that stuff away from us and make us more and more like his kid through the sanctification process. Look at, all right, now look what it says in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you see it? When the Spirit of the Lord comes inside us, it frees us from ourselves in the power of sin. The Spirit of the Lord comes in and frees us from that. You see it? Now look what it says. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord... Who is the Spirit? See it? The Lord is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You see how that is not hard to figure out. You see what it says there? You can't take that out of the Bible. It says, 
He makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his image. As we are what? Transformed into a new creation, into a masterpiece. Imagine where you used to be a hater. Now you start to love people. Where you used to have no mercy, you start to show mercy for people. Where you were hating, you start to love. When people are your enemies, they're not your enemies anymore. They're child of God. You want them to get saved. You want them to go to heaven. Things start to change up in this coconut. You start to start to love people. And you start to love yourself. See, the devil wants you to hate yourself so you hate other people. You see, you cannot give something something you don't possess. If you don't love yourself, how can you love others? How can you love God? The first person that needs to love you love is yourself. See, that transformation that takes place. Look, I am no longer God's masterpiece. He loves me. I have to start loving myself so I can show that unconditional love to others. How many times do we say to ourselves, I hate myself for what I just did. I hate that. I can't stand myself for doing that. That's actually sinning against God. You're his child. Can I get an amen here? Never know. Yeah, we beat ourselves up. Listen. Oh, listen now. Although perfection remains elusive in this earthly existence, we are not going to be perfect. We are being perfected. We are maturing. See, when you're a mature believer, you understand the weakness of your sin nature and how powerful it really is. And you understand the weakness of other people's sin nature and how powerful that is in their life. And that they've been through a lot of stuff too. That they need all the room to grow that you do. They need tons of grace and mercy like you do. So you start to what? Love them and say, you know what? I'm not going to talk about them because I don't want people to talk about me. If you don't want people to talk about you, don't talk about people. Because God will show you what gossip feels like and slander when somebody comes and slanders you and you it gets back to you. You're not going to like it. You say, you know what, I don't like when somebody talks about me, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Unless if I ain't got anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Can I get a big amen here? All right. Listen, we can strive for personal growth in a life increasingly free from sin, but how do we achieve this goal? This is something that's hard to achieve. But if you don't set a goal in your life, you'll never achieve it. So your goal is to become Christ-like. Do you set that goal in your life? I need to become Christ-like. I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm studying it to become Christ-like. Not as a religious duty. I'm doing it to become like Jesus. Can I get an amen here? That is why I'm reading it, to change me into the image of him. Now, listen. How do we do it? This includes studying the word of God, Right? John 17, 7 to 8. Prayer. Lots of pray. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace that surpasses anything we can understand. His peace will guide your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus, as you live by the words of God. See, Christ Jesus is the word of God. You have to understand that. And working, look, prayer and working in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 3, and 4. So now you have to understand the Spirit's voice. The Spirit's voice is the Word of God. See, when you hear, the, when, the, when the Scriptures come to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit. Get it? It's not some, some audible voice. John, you're doing wrong. No, it's the scriptures that come to mind. How did Jesus fight the devil? With scripture. He says, for it is written. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. He's greater than my sin. The son is greater than the sin. So every time I want to sin, I got to go to the son, which is the word. And that's the last place people go. That's what the devil wants. He doesn't want you in the Bible. He wants you in the world. He wants you to do this without Jesus. And guess what? It's impossible without Jesus. It's impossible. All right. Everybody with me so far here? All right. Now the next one is redemption, okay? All these big words, redemption, sanctification. 
Well, let's explain them so we can understand them, all right? Redemption, listen now. Redemption is humanity's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, he's redeemed us. Sin changed humanity so that no one could free them. Okay, the human race was said to be under the influence of the devil because of what? Because of the sins he convinced them to commit. Divine justice also required the human race to fulfill a debt of retribution for which it was held liable. Listen now. However, the death of Christ was more than enough to pay for the punishment that people deserved because of their sins. The cost of redeeming humanity was paid in full by Jesus' death on the cross. Christ provided satisfaction by expending that which was most valuable, his own life. So you could be free. Go to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus paid a debt we couldn't pay. He paid our sin debt in full. You can't work your way out of sin. See, a lot of people, right, they do sin, right? They try to do penance after. Well, I know I did bad, so now I'm going to do good. That doesn't work that way. You can't make up for sin. Sin is sin. You do good because you are saved, not to get saved or to stay saved. Can I get any men here? But people love this penance thing. Said, okay, I'm doing bad this week, but next week I'm going to do good, and God's going to be happy with me. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. He's happy with you when you put your faith in him and trust Jesus to change you and transform you, something that you can't do. He does for us something that we can't do. And the biggest thing that Christians try to do is change themselves. You get on your I'm going to be good today. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. I'm going to be good. That's willpower. You can't be good. See, that's what it is. God's saying, only I'm good. When you understand that, you can try all you want, but sooner or later you're going to fail. See, God changes our desires. Willpower is not doing something you still want to do. God desire, when God changes us, you don't want it anymore, so you won't do it. He changes the desire. So you, you can put it in front of you, you won't want it anymore. Again, amen. That's a transformation. That's the metamorphosis I'm talking about. The more control you give to Jesus, the more self-control he gives to you. So here's the way it works. If your faith hasn't changed you, your faith hasn't saved you. See, your faith is what changes you. See, if your faith doesn't change you, then there's no salvation. It has to change you. Something has to happen. You have to go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Something has to happen. You change. Something about you starts to take place. You no longer want to be that old man anymore. You want to do the right thing. You have a desire to do the right thing. You have a desire to read the Bible. You have a desire to go to church. You have a desire to fellowship with other believers. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. Even though you might still fail, your desires are starting to change. You get it? That's how you know the Holy Spirit's in you. You desire the things of God. Even though you still desire some of the things you want, you still start to desire the things of God. And it starts to get stronger and stronger as you grow. Can I get a big amen here? But it's a slow process. See, this is the thing. You say you've been a Christian for two years. You're two years old spiritually. That's it. Two years old. What can a two-year-old complete, accomplish? Nothing. Three years old, four years old, five years old, six years old in spirituality, seven years old, even ten years old. It takes time to transform. Can I get an amen? It, didn't take, it took years for you to get into that world system to get into your head. It's going to take years to push it out. But that's all right. We have the rest of our lives to get there. Can I get an amen here? Don't beat yourself up. He took the beating. Now look at verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For God, look at verse 21. 
For God made Christ, who never sinned, right, to be the offering for our sin. Why did that happen? Or to become sin itself. Why did that happen? So we, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen? That's the only way that we could be made right with God by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Can I get amen? Not by you doing good. By his sacrifice, God accepts you. Now you do good because you are saved now. See, when you understand the process of this, you can do good things because you want to, not because you have to. You're in church today because you want to be in church today, not because you have to be in church today. That's the difference. You can make church a very religious thing if you want and come to church and think, well, if I go to church, God's going to be happy with you. No, God's already happy with you when you believe in his son. The fruit of your salvation is wanting to go to church and learn more and grow and change. Thank God. How many wanted to come to church today? You wanted to come, right? Some of you maybe didn't, but you're here. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> That's the sanctification, right? Some of you might not want it to, but you find yourself here anyway. That's the Holy Spirit doing it. <clears throat> you still got yourself here. Either way, God got you here. <clears throat> by, <laughs> by conviction or by grace, either one, right? You're here. That's the important thing, that you're here. Thank Jesus, right? <laughs> All right. The next one, listen. Is, this is really important, the forgiveness one. Listen, this is the most important one. To be, have a forgiving heart. Okay? To have a forgiving heart. Forgiveness is the act of releasing guilt or erasing wrongdoing. Okay? When a person's crimes are forgiven, the Christian church holds those sins that, hold, that those sins are erased from the person's soul. Only God forgives sins. Okay? Since only he can provide sanctifying grace to someone who has fallen from grace through serious sin, God forgives the sins of the sincerely contrite heart through confession and repentance. You see? Confession and repentance should be a major theme in every Christian's life. We have to go to the Lord. He knows that we're, we fail, but he wants to hear you admit it, that you failed, and he wants you to repent of it and turn from it and let him change you. Go 1 John 1 with me. I'll tell you, before I got saved, I, it was hard for me to forgive. The bit, you know who it was hardest to forgive? It was harder to forgive myself. It was very hard to forgive myself for the things I've done. Very hard. But then I understood that if I don't forgive myself, that's a sin. It's a sin not to forgive yourself. Because when you can't forgive yourself, you can't forgive anybody else either. And you can't even forgive God. So you have to have forgiveness in your heart for yourself, and then you can have forgiveness of others. Look at 1 John 1. Look at verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light. I'll let you get there. I hear the pages turning. It's okay. Perfect. Verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, right? And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How about a big amen there? Now, if we claim we have no sin, 
We are only fooling ourselves. You see it? And not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Why is, why, is, why is confession so cleansing? It cleanses us. See, when you confess something, it cleanses your soul. Okay, if you keep it in, it still has power over you. It says, look what it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from wickedness. It cleanses our heart. It cleanses our spirit. It puts us back in relationship with Jesus. Again, it opens the communication lines back up. See, our sin is what separates from hearing the word, hearing Jesus. See, when you confess him, it opens the connection again. You see? That's what confession and repentance does. It opens up the line of, of the relationship line again. You confess it and you repent of it in the line, and you can start to hear God again. Because now you're not feeling the guilt and the shame from your sin and you're not covering it in the dark. Because can't, Jesus can't dwell in the darkness. So if you, if you don't confess it, he can't come in there to cleanse it. So when you confess it, he cleanses it and you get back in the light and you can hear his voice clear again. It clouds his voice. Because the more you sin, the more the wrong voice starts to come into play. You see, when you keep your sins to yourself, now it gives power to the devil. You see? And then the devil keeps tempting us with the sin. And then if it doesn't come to the light, it will, it'll have power over you. See? Sin grows in the darkness and dies in the light of exposure. Can I get an amen? So when you bring it to the light, it frees you from it. You have to do that, though. See, Christians don't think they have. You have to do that if you want to keep your line, your connection with the Lord open. That's why 1 John 1 is so relevant for us. Now it says, look what it says in verse 10. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. And showing that his word is showing that his word has no place in our hearts. See, when you say that I don't have to do that, you're lying. You're calling God a liar and showing that his word, the Bible, has no place in your heart. So that's why it has to be done. There's nothing. Look, try it. You'll like it. <laughs> try it. You'll like it. Listen, you don't have to go. Get on your knees. Close the door. Say, Lord, please, Lord, I'm going to confess these things that really hold me in bondage, Lord. Please help free me from this sin that's trying to control me. And you will see the power of the Lord working inside of you to change that. But if you keep it in you, listen, if you don't confess it, it's because you still want it. See, that's the thing. If you still want your sin, God will let you keep your sin. But if you want to get rid of it and you confess it to him, he will free you from it. But that's a choice you have to make. Can I get an amen here? He never takes away our free will and he never invades our lives without permission. Oh, sometimes you wish he would, right? Lord, just come and get me. Come get this out of me. Just take over. He doesn't do it that way. So I want to talk about the relevance of salvation in modern society, okay? This is what I want to talk about. We only got a couple minutes here. I just want to begin this. In an increasingly complicated and unpredictable world, okay, redemption gives people meaning, hope, and satisfaction. Eternal salvation is important to many individuals today because of social issues, personal problems, and the need for a purpose in their life. Meaning and purpose. Salvation gives purpose and meaning in a world that values monetary achievement, rapid satisfaction, and outward approval. It reminds people that their lives have a spiritual component and that they should live in accordance with their greater purpose and positively impact the world in which they live. Can I get an amen here? Healing and redemption. Listen to me now. Modern civilization faces right, emotional, spiritual suffering, relational issues, addiction, social injustice. Salvation promises forgiveness, restoration, inner transformation through faith and submission. 
It leads to personal and social completeness. See, people look for completeness in the world by getting this and having more and achieving all these things in the world. But that never completes you. The only thing that will ever complete you is the relationship with Jesus Christ. And once you find that, once you find that precious pearl, once you find it like I have, you don't start reaching for that anymore. You start reaching for that relationship with Jesus and serving him with an ultimate purpose and the sense of satisfaction you get when you're in his will and in his plan and in his purpose. That's how, you get, that's how you get inner satisfaction. You can't get it by buying things and getting more and getting plaques and getting recognized. You get it through relationship with Jesus. He put that hole in you so you will find him there. And he's the only one that can fit into it. You can get all the money in the world. People have tons of money and they still commit suicide. Money doesn't do it. It causes more problems. Can I get any men here? Also, another one, it, hope, it gives us hope and turmoil. Listen to me now. Rapid change, global crises, and personal difficulties may overwhelm and dishearten people. Salvation provides hope by reminding individuals that a greater power loves them, walks with them, right, through their trials. And promises eternal peace, comfort, and victory over adversity. It comforts and builds resilience as we keep in mind that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was meant to save us. The world can't save you. You can't save you. You'll always have that inner something missing until you develop that relationship with Jesus. And once you find it, you go for it, you grab that precious pearl, and everything else starts to pale in your life. That stuff meaningless. Because let me give you a you ain't taking none of that with you. I always say it before, one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. Can I get an amen here? So when you understand that perspective, you start doing things for him. Because that's what's coming with you. I'm going to big amen there. All right, we're going to have to close there. Thank you for letting me share that. Stay with Jesus. I'm going to call the usher to come up. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to close.
can we all bow our heads today and thank our dear Lord Jesus who can change our lives each day. We're a work in progress for lumpy clay, but each day till we go home to him, he'll be daily working on us to make us this beautiful, precious masterpiece. Lord, thank you for this message of salvation. Thank you for giving us hope each day in this church. Thank you for bringing us together as brethren and loving each other and having each other. And Lord, you are Second Corinthians 1 said of the God of comfort. You comfort us so that we can go and give comfort to others, Lord. You promised us, no matter what, that you will never leave us nor forsake us through in Deuteronomy and in Hebrews and all through the scripture. And your love is everlasting, Lord. And may we take this message out to others. May we be there for the hurting. May we love them and comfort them and give them hope. And for all those who are sick and suffering, suffering loss, who have lost loved ones, who are hurting in their bodies, are just going through things. May we be there to tell them in Isaiah 43.2 that Jesus goes with you. He is with you in the storm and nothing will overtake you. We will not be defeated when we trust in him and cling to him. So we love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Cindy. All right, everybody, the service is over. Go in peace. Have a great day until we meet again. God bless. Shalom. Peace.